With no games on Monday due to the national championship, there was a full slate Tuesday night. You didn't watch it all. You didn't need to watch it all because we did, and we've got the recap for you. And absolutely nothing was decided in all of those games when it comes to the end of each conference. We've got the whole playoff picture, and Gordon Hayward has a very interesting update from his rehab. Finally, we'll preview Wednesday's night action and the playoff implications from that. So let's jump right into the Wednesday edition of of Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Jake Madison, the Wednesday co-host of the Locked On NBA podcast, at Nola Jake on Twitter, editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, credential member of the media here and all-around Pelicans insider. I am also a Wednesday co-host. I'm John Corrales, Reds Army underscore John on Twitter, co-founder of RedsArmy.com, co-host of Locked On Celtics, and a Boston.com Celtics contributor. As always, every Wednesday, we recap the action from Tuesday night, and we've got a big slate, so we're going to power through it in what we always call the too long, didn't watch. And we're starting off with three games that don't matter to anything. You had Orlando at New York, which was a 97-73 win for the Magic. Charlotte at Chicago, a 120-114 win for the Bulls. And then Sacramento at Phoenix, 97-94 for the Suns, who end a 15-game losing streak. All right, now let's move on to things that do matter. Toronto at Cleveland. This was a big one for the Raptors, but the Cavs beat the Raptors again, 112-106. Kyle Lowry, after celebrating Villanova's big win, disappeared. Dwayne Casey not really coaching them out of anything. I think Raptors fans have to be a little bit nervous with a little bit of a swoon. Definitely. You don't want Jose Calderon going off for 19 points. LeBron putting in 27, 10, and 6. And this team seems to be peaking a little bit towards the end of the season here. That's four in a row for the Cavaliers. John, I'm going to let you take the next game here. Boston at Milwaukee. That's my purview. The Bucks win 106-102. The Celtics basically missing 60% of their team. No point guards at all. Terry Rozier out with an ankle injury. Shane Larkin out with a illness so Kadeem Allen two-way player got the start at point guard for the Celtics they had a lead for a while but they went cold in the third missed a ton of easy shots Marcus Mars who had been heroic for the Celtics down the stretch uh, went cold in this game and they got it close they still winnable but they couldn't come all the way back and they basically in this because of that Raptors loss lost out on a chance to get that top seed or make tomorrow's game the the when tonight's game whenever you listen to this uh make that a top seed kind of playoff game so but from a Celtics perspective maybe not getting that top seed isn't so bad because that second seed might be a better position let the bucks i mean let let the raptors and and the cavaliers kind of go at it in the second round and we'll just wait for whoever escapes that battle. Yeah. It's going to be interesting tonight for sure. We've got Brooklyn at Philadelphia Sixers win 121 95. They are hanging with Cleveland. They're tied in the loss column there. Yeah. And Philly taking advantage of 
the very, very easy schedule. Interesting to see Fultz back. Uh, they tried him a little bit tonight with Ben Simmons at the same time, but that after the game, they said that is not going to be what happens in the playoffs. And as Fultz continues to make his way back, it's going to be an interesting kind of dynamic with that bench. He, he seems to make them better, even though his shot's not there. But you can at least play him as a backup to Ben Simmons for now and still have an athletic guy that can defend and drive and dish. Yeah, and then we move on to Atlanta at Miami. The Heat win 101-98. Miami clinches a playoff berth. You know, interesting note at the end of this game, too. Whiteside closed the game out but had just two points in the fourth quarter after those kind of outspoken comments about the coaching staff and the rotations. Makes you kind of raise your eyebrows a little bit there. Yeah, he's been kind of grumbling all season long. He does not like his minutes. I know the guys mentioned it last night on, on the Locked On uh, podcast, NBA podcast, and the last one. That he's He's been grumbling, and it's it's he's not exactly happy he's playing less minutes, but we'll see how it goes. My favorite note from this game, Kelly Olenek gets a $400,000 bonus for the Heat clinching a playoff berth, and if he plays two minutes in the next game, he gets an extra million dollars because he will have hit his 17-hundred-minute benchmark for the season, so... Go buy yourself a bunch of burritos. Kelly Olenek, Celtics fans will get that joke. I was like, that's pretty good. A million dollars for two minutes. I know it's over the season, <laughs> but like, you know, that's, that's a pretty bad. good hourly uh, rate right there. We've got Washington at Houston. The Rockets win 120-104. Harden's likely just cementing his MVP at this point. 38 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. Capella also with a solid night. He might be the secret weapon to that Houston team that makes them all click. He had 21-10, and 10, and in an off night for Chris Paul, the Rockets still win. They're good. They are good. I called Clint Capella the perfect puzzle piece because he just fits exactly what the Rockets need, and maybe he doesn't do that for everybody but in Houston he fits perfectly and he completes the picture you cannot make a mistake and you cannot overreact to other people because Capella will kill you and that's going to be the biggest problem with Capella playing and healthy and, and doing what he does Houston is very very difficult to beat yeah, I, I've seen this up close a couple of times where if you want to just try and run their shooters and contest them at the three-point line, Capella just eats you up inside, or you just leave those guys wide open and try and take away the pick and roll there. It's not easy to defend. we got Golden State at Oklahoma City. The Warriors win 111-107. Russell Westbrook was just incredible. 44 points, 16 rebounds, 6 assists, but it's not enough as he doesn't get help really anywhere else 16 turnovers for the thunder and their offense in the half court continues to look pretty bad and very predictable mellow with 12 points george with 20 the bench with just 14 and okc falls to sixth in the west yeah a big number here is oklahoma city got nothing from its bench they were outscored 38 14 in bench points quick question for you You think the warriors are going to start resting some guys down the stretch are they looking to kind of get back on track a little bit no i i think they they'll probably rest for a couple of games but maybe in that last game of the season if they can get a couple of guys back healthy I don't know if if Curry's going to be healthy at that point or they might just go into the first round I don't think there's a big concern for them to get guys into any sort of groove they're they're comfortable with where they are if that extra game is going to get Curry's knee healthy they'll just give him that game 
these guys are comfortable with each other. Yeah, especially with all the time they've played together. We got Indiana at Denver, a big win for the Denver Nuggets, 107-104. Now the Nuggets decide to start winning. Yeah, right? Come on. We've watched the Nuggets just completely collapse, and I'm ready for them to go away. I'm sure I'm Nuggets fans— I'm even more ready for them to go away. Yeah, I'm sure you are. But even Nuggets fans are like, please, don't give us hope. Stop giving us hope. What are you doing? But there's just a different team at home, and this is what happens. They're they're not going to go quietly. No, not at all. The Nuggets rotation starting to work just a little bit better. You've got Malone to trying to avoid playing Jokic and Millsap together. Jokic with 36 and 7 on the night. Barton with 26. Denver just kind of controlled this one. You have a close game-ish between the Los Angeles Lakers at the Utah Jazz. 117-110. Jazz have won 26 out of their last 31. Rubio had a big night, 31 and 8. Donovan Mitchell with 26 points. It's going to be a fun race for the end of the season uh, for Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I'm still going Simmons, I think. But you know what? This is going to be a year where, and I don't want to sound like a cop-out, but if you got co-rookies of the year, I would not be upset about that. No, that actually makes a lot of sense, but I don't think we're allowed to have ties in this sort of thing. Come on. Just give them each something. All right, quickly on this one. Portland at Dallas. Mavs win a bit of a shocker, 115-109, opening the door for the third seed just a little bit. We'll talk about this one. Uh, But there's a bit of an injury news coming out of this one. Yeah, Lillard turned his ankle. He finished the game, but he left the arena in a cart. So it's going to be interesting to see how bad that ankle really is. Like I said, he stayed in, so it wasn't that bad. But, you know, with ankles, they tend to swell up once you sit down. And it just I don't know how many ankle injuries he's ever had. Basketball players are always dealing with those things. So that could be a a problem. But luckily for the uh, the Trailblazers, they're not at much risk for losing their positioning. Thanks to the San Antonio uh, Spurs collapsing in in, in the, the Clippers game. Oh, that was that was pretty rough. And if everyone stayed up late, that was an interesting end. The Clippers do win 113-110. They outscored the Spurs 21 to or sorry, 41 to 27 in the fourth. Man, that was just a brutal collapse. For a while there early on, the Clippers looked like they were ready to go on vacation. And then I said I was prepared to come on here and say, "Hey, you know what? Doc Rivers did a nice admirable job just keeping this thing close, but Lou Williams kept scoring." In the fourth quarter, didn't have a great night going into the fourth, but then six of eight, 15 points in the fourth. Amazingly, no three-pointers, uh, a clutch three from Austin Rivers, and the Spurs blew it. They And this ends their 18-year streak of winning at least 50 games in the regular season. Which we all thought was probably going to end this year, but then all of a sudden Popovich works his magic. Lamarcus Aldridge has a really good season, and they kind of got fairly close to it. That would have been pretty impressive. So that's going to end this. Too long, didn't watch. Like we said, there were a lot of games that going on. That was very around. long. Yeah, it's probably one of the longer ones we did. Probably going to be one of the longest ones of the Way year. Way too long, didn't watch. Exactly. So there are other big playoff implication games tonight. We'll cover that towards the end of the podcast. But before we get to the actual playoff standings, which changed a little bit tonight, make sure you listen and always subscribe to the now daily Locked On NBA podcast. All right. The playoff races are interesting. The West is just straight wild, and it's going to be a fun week to end the year. As it stands right now, and I forgot to pull these up here. Let me grab that. 
it's they probably changed while I had the window closed. You've obviously got Houston number one in the West. The Golden State Warriors locked in at two. Portland, despite their loss, at three. Three games ahead of the now fourth place Utah Jazz. San Antonio's fifth. You got Oklahoma City a half game behind them at six. Minnesota at seven. And then New Orleans just a half game behind them. With Denver lurking in ninth, only a half game. They're all separated by a half game behind New Orleans. This is going to be a (laughs) wild end to the season. This is crazy. There's a week left. There's one week left, and there are what do we got? Three, six, seven teams competing for five spots, and any of those teams could could miss. The Utah Jazz, the current fourth seed, could miss the playoffs if something goes wrong. I don't think they will, but as crazy it is, like Portland, luckily for them, San Antonio collapsed because. San Antonio could have been within two games of the third seed. And now San Antonio is sitting there saying, oh, God, they're, they're, they're two games out of missing the playoffs completely. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the rest that other teams are going to have. Like Oklahoma City is facing the Rockets next. The Rockets are the easy top seed is are they going to rest? What are they going to face when the Pelicans? You've got the Pelicans coming up, and I'm, I'm sorry, you got the Pelicans have in there down down the stretch. You just asked me about the Warriors resting. That's of supreme importance to you Huge. because you've got the Warriors coming up, and Utah has the Warriors coming up, and the Spurs have the Trailblazers in a couple of games. This is. It, that Lillard injury could be the thing that changes the entire Western Conference race because the Spurs face the Lakers, which is a winnable game, Portland without Lillard, the Kings, and then the Pelicans at the end of the season. So it's I think the teams that are in now stay in. I, I don't I don't have any faith. I've given up any faith of the Denver Nuggets. I've gone a complete 180 from when we first started the show a month ago. I don't think the they Clippers were four have for you then. They were my fourth seed, and now I'm I'm completely running them off. Uh, they, <laughs> will you, watch them go back up and get the fourth seed somehow. Oh, Can I, you imagine? I'm going to just be annoyed with that. So Denver's got a tough schedule coming up. They've got Minnesota twice. They've got the Clippers, and they've got Portland, and that's a brutal stretch. I mean, this basically comes down to who are you playing now? And with Butler really close to returning for Minnesota, I think they're definitely in. I agree with you. I think that the the teams that are in now are going to be the teams in. I just don't know quite the order they have coming up. Oklahoma City might have the easiest stretch, even though they've got a game at Houston, at Miami, playing Memphis. They only have three games left, so there's fewer for them to lose, which maybe gives them the advantage there. New Orleans has Memphis. You've got at Phoenix. Those are two winnable games. At Golden State, where you can maybe catch that team resting. The Clippers, who then might be out of playoff contention at that point. And the Spurs at home on the final game of the regular season. That should be 4-1, and in my opinion. Should be, but who knows how this is all going to shake out yeah so i'm going okay so minnesota i think is good they play denver twice like you said the lakers and memphis if butler's coming back in for any amount of those games i think that's going to be really important for minnesota because he's going to want to get his rhythm back so minnesota's going to get the one of the best players in the conference back and a guy who needs to get his reps so he'll play and they'll win 
So Oklahoma City, man, that's that's the weird. They've only got three games left. I think they they win a couple. Pelicans. Pelicans yeah, I know. Are it's fine. like who knows. <laughs> that now, what's? I know you guys have hit a have hit a little bit of a slide. So, tell me what you think about the slide that the Pelicans have hit, and what that means for the the closing stretch. Are, are you concerned that the magic that they've had, something whatever they've summoned, has has kind of run out? Or, or the Pelicans, because I remember early on when we first started looking at this, I said, yeah, I just don't think the Pelicans can do it. And for a while, you were fighting for home court, and now here you are down in the eighth seed. And I, I'm, I'm just not 100% sure what to make of the Pelicans. Yeah, they're on the four-game skid right now. I'm going to throw out that first loss to Houston. That came on the heels of that five games in six nights, the back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, which we haven't seen in such a long time in the NBA. I got to say, you guys came through that really well. I'm Go, surprised you guys did in that was absolutely did. nuts. And it, it kind of gives you a lot of faith in the Pelicans. This It's really a three-game losing streak to me, and they've just kind of run up against good teams. Portland is a good team. The Cavs are a good team, and Oklahoma city is a good team and sometimes you just play good teams and lose and the pelicans haven't been blown out by any of these three teams during this stretch anthony davis is still dealing with that ankle injury he picked up against portland that's kind of limiting his effectiveness you're not seeing him be as aggressive as you'd like i think with a couple of days rest you've got two easy games coming up they can kind of just get in the right state mentally be aggressive know you've got to close these games out i'm really not worried and i think four and one is a reasonable thing to kind of expect over these final five games and and with five games to go, their magic number's four, so that gets them in. Yeah, so I I, I agree. Uh, so let's take another stab at what we think. So Houston's obviously one. Golden State's obviously two. Portland, I think, is cemented as three. Yeah. From there, looking at the schedule, I think – I actually think the – the Spurs, because they've got the Lakers, Portland now that Lillard's hurt, the Kings, they've got three wins there. I think they can get three wins. I think the Spurs can finish in fourth. I think the Jazz will lose a couple and fall slightly behind the Spurs. So I think it'll go Spurs four, Jazz five. And then it gets dicey. I'm not I'm, I'm not 100% confident in Jazz five because – I'm looking at Minnesota with Butler coming back, and with Minnesota, like we said, Denver twice, the Lakers, and Memphis. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna amend that already. I'm already gonna amend that. I'm gonna go Minnesota above the Spurs. Interesting. Okay, so they've got home court advantage in the first. Yeah. So I'm gonna go uh, Minnesota. Where'd I go? Minnesota four. Jazz, I've, I've already lost myself. Jazz five, Spurs six, and then Thunder Pelicans. I, I think that's reasonable. I'm not even going to take a stab at this because I have no idea. The other crazy thing to keep in mind <laughs> is tiebreakers, and not just first tiebreakers, but third, fourth, yeah. and fifth tiebreakers yeah, you at know this what? point. Yeah, it's true. That's if, true. If certain teams have the tiebreaker over one team individually, and then if two te- or three or more teams are tied, they drop down to like third in the rankings on that, which might change things. This is just basically going to come down to it on the final game of the regular season. The Eastern Conference, though, is a little bit more clear at this point. John, I'm going to let you kind of handle this for the most part here. 
Yeah, so the East is set now. Now that the Celtics lost to the uh, Bucks, it's I, I'd be surprised, and we'll get we'll get into this a little bit later. But I I, I feel confident in Raptors one, Celtics two, Cavs, Sixers. Eh, we'll see, but it's probably going to hold form. So somehow one, two, three, four is going to is probably going to stay. Raptors, Celtics, Cavs, Sixers. The Pacers are pretty solid in fifth, and then now it's six, seven, eight. Miami, Washington, Bucks, all forty-two and thirty-six. So here's how the Eastern Conference schedule works out: the Wizards are at Cleveland. They play Atlanta, Boston, at Orlando. Miami is at Atlanta, at the Knicks. They have Oklahoma City and Toronto. Milwaukee, Brooklyn, at the Knicks, Orlando, and Philly. So Milwaukee has three pretty winnable games right there. And Philly at the end, I feel like they're going to rest everybody unless Embiid somehow comes back super early. I doubt that. I think Philly just rests, and Milwaukee could probably win out, which sucks for the Celtics fan because I want Milwaukee in seven. And I, I think when we saw tonight in the game against the Boston Celtics, Milwaukee's defense is is not great. And and maybe I shouldn't be so confident in them beating those all of those teams, but those first three games, they're playing such bad opponents that even the worst defense should still beat those guys. And like I said, with Philly resting, I don't think they're going to be uh, much of a, a challenge. So Miami facing Oklahoma City and Toronto. Maybe Toronto rests at, at, at those in, in that last game, but maybe they don't. Maybe they're maybe they're still trying to get. Maybe they rest before that, and they take that last game of the season to ramp up for the playoffs. So I think Miami loses at least a couple of those games. Washington playing at Cleveland. Cleveland's still trying to prove a point. The Celtics, I don't know what the Celtics are going to be doing in that next to last game of the season, but they're going to probably try to keep on going. Uh, they've got injured players to work back in, so Washington's probably going to lose a couple of times, which means... I, that's if, the team I see dropping the most out of these three. The, okay, so it could end up being the final three spots, Milwaukee, Miami, and Washington in eighth. Yeah. How does that sound to you uh, after everything I said? You know, I mean, that that's kind of the way I see it playing out a whole lot easier than the Western Conference to try and figure out. It's, you know, it, it might come down to those final two games, really, between Miami and Toronto and then Milwaukee and Philadelphia, and if guys are being rested or not, and that might have some implication on the standings. You've got Toronto kind of in a little bit of a position to control who they play potentially, too. Do you win or lose, depending on who you want to see in the first round, which is always interesting when a team maybe loses on purpose to get the better matchup. Well, look, if Toronto wants to do that, they should they should be losing. They, sh they should continue to lose and get to the second seed because I think the second seed for the Celtics is actually the better seed. Again, the caveat is do not play the Wizards in the first round because the Celtics, while I think at full strength, are better than the Wizards. And in the current situation, no Kyrie in the first round, no Marcus Smart in the first round, at least no Kyrie for some portion of the first round. Maybe he comes back at some point, but I would rather have Marcus Smart in there to defend John Wall or Bradley Beal somehow 
I don't want to face that Washington backcourt right away. That's going to be a tough, tough series considering the Celtics injuries. I would much rather face the Bucks first. Miami is fine. Not great, but fine. And Washington is a terrible matchup. So if, if the Celtics can avoid that, then I'd be happy. So that makes that, that game, Washington uh, hosting Boston, their next to last game, potentially important for seeding wise because the Celtics may need to either win or tank that game for, for seeding. And I just don't think the Raptors are, are going to tank enough. No, to, I don't think they are either. To do that. And look, cons- everything considered, Toronto Celtics tonight, Wednesday night, I think Toronto needs a win. Not realistically, because they can lose and be fine standings-wise. I think for the fan base, having seen and talked to some Raptors fans, there is a little bit of nervousness. I don't think they're they're over the top. I don't think they're jumping off of any bridges or anything. No, but there's probably a bit of panic there, especially given kind of their playoff history and everything. Their history is definitely worrisome. Definitely worrisome. So I think, and especially after losing to the Celtics, who are so shorthanded, to go back to Toronto and say, look, if the Raptors beat the Celtics by a lot, if they blow them out Wednesday night, they can say, all right, fine. We blew that game. We lost that game in Boston. But if we face this team again, we've got home court and we're different at home. That's for their own comfort. That would just end any talk about first or second seed. It would end any talk about meeting Boston in the conference finals. I think they need that to make it feel better. So I I think we're set at the top of the standings. Yeah, and we're, you're going to preview that game coming up for us in just a minute, but we're going to stay on the Boston theme for quickly, quickly, John. You've got, got something to, about Gordon Hayward here. We're running long, but we got to do this because Gordon Hayward on his personal blog posted an update. Now, he's been posting videos on the Players' Tribune because he's got to deal with the Players' Tribune, so they do that every once in a while. For people who are familiar with the Boston situation, it's kind of funny if you're not. What happens is they post this video, and Gordon Hayward puts this thing. So the latest one is he's lightly jogging under his own power. He's not on some anti-gravity treadmill or anything like that. He's jogging lightly. It's not a big deal. But in Boston, it's a huge deal because his ankle was sideways at the beginning of the season, and now he's running again. This is big. And then the Celtics see the video, and they say, not a big deal. Everybody calm down. They really but come right out to just try and kind of put that fire out and immediately. not build the hope up whatsoever. Immediately. Like, uh, you know, it, it's like a, a fire department come rushing in and just putting dousing out those flames. But here's the thing. So Gordon Hayward on his personal blog posted an update. The one thing I want to highlight and I think is of national interest is this quote that I'm going to read from him. He says, I can already tell that I have extended my range significantly. We've done dribble pull-ups like off a screen where I'm not jumping, but I'm kind of taking one dribble into a shot. From two, three, or four feet behind the arc, I can get it up to the rim no problem without even jumping. So my shot has gotten quicker and more compact because I've been doing this for the last five, six months, and I haven't been able to really jump. That part is exciting. I wanted to highlight that because it significantly impacts the Eastern Conference 
next season, if the Gordon Hayward that they come back that, that they get back is a guy who can do all of the Gordon Hayward things, but extend his range from to you know three or four feet from behind the arc and get the shot off quicker. I mean, you, I'm the Boston guy. You check me if I'm saying this wrong. But hearing that gives me Steph Curry-type visions of Gordon Hayward with a quicker release from four feet behind the arc. That's, that's Curry-esque. Uh, so I don't want to like throw a huge damper on this. We're going to do this kind of quickly here. But you know, I'm of the belief that players don't necessarily change a ton as they get on further in their career. But the one thing where you've seen it done is three-point shooting. Look at how Jason Kidd kind of revamped his game and all of a sudden became a three-point threat towards the end of his career. And now it's high up on the leaderboards. It might be at the top. I can't even remember looking at it right now. So if you're looking for a guy to kind of make those changes to his game and add something to it, this would be the area. I would say that the, if there's silver linings to a, an injury that bad, and obviously nobody wanted that injury, it's that he has spent more time than most players at this point in their careers working on a specific aspect of his game. And getting the shot off more quickly is something that you can do in six months. And extending your range is a pretty important thing because that makes you more dangerous from further out. That means defense have to extend themselves out and that opens up the floor even more. So I think that's one silver lining. And obviously the other one that we've seen in Boston is Jason Tatum getting a ton of minutes that he might not have gotten. So the injury, nobody wanted that injury to happen. But if the net result is Jason Tatum is much more advanced and Gordon Hayward comes back a much more dangerous shooter from further out in the court, I don't want to say it was worth it. That's definitely not worth it. But all things considered, that's a hell of a silver lining. Yeah, which is never a bad thing to have, and more shooting is always better in today's NBA. So quickly, before we get to Wednesday night's preview, don't forget to listen and subscribe Monday through Friday to Locked on NBA, now five days a week. You're not getting this type of coverage, recapping the night before, previewing the upcoming games anywhere else this quickly. So, John, let's jump right into the Wednesday night preview. We got some, not a big slate, but some important games here, starting with Philadelphia at Detroit, where Philly's looking to really keep this one going. Yeah, I think Philly can can keep that drive to home court, and uh, a win here that they should get should uh, really go a long way in solidifying home court. Hey, did you know that Detroit's still technically alive for the playoffs? Yeah, it's kind of surprising they don't have that little zero next to them in the standings just yet. If they want to keep it alive, they're going to need to have a really good shooting night, which is not something they normally do because Philly, by the way, holds opponents to just a 49% E field goal percentage. It's pretty difficult to kind of score against. Next up on the slate, we got the road home back-to-back between Miami and Atlanta, and this one's simple for Miami. Win and try and avoid that eighth seed because you do match up better with the Celtics than Toronto. Also, I like Collins over there in Atlanta. I think he's kind of a fun player, and I don't like these anti-tanking rules because otherwise he wouldn't be getting these minutes. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, Boston at Toronto, like I said before, I would have loved for the Celtics to win in Milwaukee because this is for the tiebreaker. And hey, look, if Boston does beat Toronto somehow, even without all – all of their players that are missing, and I think Terry Rozier might come back. If they do beat Toronto, they do have the tiebreaker. So if something weird happens the rest of the way, 
This could be a huge game. This could still decide the top of the standings. It's fun to have meaningful basketball games on TV this late in the season where things you just don't know how they're going to shake out. And keeping in that theme, we've got Memphis at New Orleans. Pels on a four-game skid, and this is an absolute must-win, obviously. Pels had 21 turnovers their last game against Oklahoma City. Even though Memphis is bad and kind of tanking right now, if you have that many turnovers, you're going to keep a bad team in the game. So the Pels need to get back to that aggressive early offense we saw from the winning streak, and hopefully Anthony Davis can get back on track up next we got san antonio at the lakers and lost in all the Kawhi leonard stuff is marcus aldridge is having a really good season yeah he's he's really carried this team and you know he's not going to get mvp consideration he's not getting a lot of mentions but that's basically what an mvp does he takes a team that shouldn't be doing what they're doing and he's got them almost at home court so uh, Spurs need this one. They need to come back and just to wipe the taste of that collapse out of their mouths. It might be a little tricky, though. The Lakers like to play fast, and the Spurs don't want to play fast. They want their defense set. That's what's really gotten them through everything all year. And Paolo Gasol did not look good defensively last night, and this Lakers front court might keep this one a little more interesting than it should be. Then we've got Dallas at Orlando, which no one cares about, so we're not going to touch on for you guys. Yeah, so I'm not even going to mention that. <laughs> no, we don't even need to. So that's going to do it for the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. As always, I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'm John Corrales, at Red's Army underscore John. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back with you all next Wednesday.